0: The opinions expressed on The Rob Report are the opinions of the hosts participating callers and or listener emails, texts, and letters, and are not necessarily the opinions of WDAY or Form Communications.
1: 4970 970 AM 93.1 FM. 701 email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, we got a uh, busy show coming up right off the bat. Congressman Kevin Kramer is going to be joining us. He should be calling in here momentarily. We had to move normally on Wednesdays. He's on at 30, but uh, we had to move his uh, open phone segment up to, to noon right off the bat. So hopefully he'll be calling in here in a moment. Uh, and you can certainly ask him whatever you want. If you want to start calling in and get in line uh, to ask the congressman questions, that's what this segment's for. It's uh, it's open to you. You can ask him whatever you want to ask him. 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Um, I, I'll tell you one thing I want to ask the congressman about is this uh, thing. him saying Harold Hamm is the reason he uh, decided to get in the United States Senate race. Um, you know, I, I the, the the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee sent out talking points about this. And I know, you know, the, the, the usual, uh, you know, mouthpieces for the Democratic Party are ranting about it. But in this instance, I, I kind of feel like they got a point. I kind of feel like they got a point. The congressman on with me now. If you want to call in 701-293-9000, 888 email talk. At WDAY.com, you can tweet me as well, at Rob Port, if you have questions for the congressman, whatever you like to ask. And, uh, Kevin, how you doing?
0: I'm well, thanks, Rob. How are you?
1: Pretty good. Um, all good. right, this Harold Hamm thing, uh, you were on uh, our, our our television side, uh, and you uh-huh. did a uh, you did an interview with them, and they asked you, you know what, what, what made you decide to run for the Senate? Uh, you said it was Harold Ham calling you and urging you to run. Democrats hitting you for that today, saying it was not, you know, concern about North Dakotans. It was, it was out of state billionaire Harold Ham who drew you into the Senate race. Now, I, I know you laugh, Kevin. I, and listen, I like Harold Ham. I don't think, I don't think that working in the oil industry automatically makes you a, a, a an evil person, uh, like unfortunately our friends on the left do, but, i I, i'll admit when i heard you when i heard you say that that was the reason i thought that was a little curious i was surprised that you said that
0: first of all it was one of several reasons i in in that whole interview i go through the process of how he was one factor because he agreed to be my finance chairman not an insignificant point when you have a you're against a United States senator who's now raised $10 million, all but maybe a couple bucks from some place out of North Dakota with interests that have no interest in North Dakota except to have control of the United States senator. Um, Harold Hamm, on the other hand, has lots of interest in North Dakota, not the least of which is uh, uh, he cracked the code in the Bakken to, to develop uh, the shale play by combining fracking with horizontal drilling. Uh, he owns uh, something like a million acres uh, of minerals in the Bakken, and employs thousands of North Dakotans in, the, in our state, has contributed millions of dollars to our institutions and charities. Um, one of our most generous and uh, important citizens. Uh, I, I'll take Harold Hamm over all of the George Soroses that Heidi Heitkamp can add up. And for Democrats to make an issue of it, I, again, it, I think it's illustrative, um, frankly, Rob, of just how— far afield Democrats in North Dakota have gone. And when I say Democrats, I mean the Democratic NPL Party. I don't mean and file Democrats. I think they're, frankly, suffering um, as a result of the, of, of the sort of the extremism of, of the Democratic Party. So Harold Hamm was a factor. The biggest factor, of course, was, as I, I said, I think, in that interview, was that um, when it was presented to me by several North Dakotans and some folks in Washington, including the president, that um, I represented perhaps the only likely chance to uh, take the seat for republicans that became a, a, a patriotic burden if you will and it wasn't just any longer a matter of um you know uh, what i wanted to do uh it had to be it became a matter of what
1: 701 293 9000 email talk at wday.com now uh we have a we have a caller right away with a question And by the way if you want to get your questions in you can uh tweet them to me as well at rob port go ahead karen you're on with the congressman
2: are you happy with the new farm bill, or are there changes you wish you could make?
1: Okay,
0: so a couple of things. New farm bill. Um, first of all, there's a the House Agriculture Committee did mark up a farm bill that will. It's now been uh, sent to the Rules Committee. It's being whipped. It's starting to be whipped. I think it is this afternoon. I think as the farm bill stands, uh, when it came out of the House, it's it's a good bill. It's basically the current farm bill with a couple of improvements to it uh, some that i've introduced that i'm very pleased about like fixing the the arc program which has not worked well for north Dakota farmers and so at the urging of north Dakota farm groups and farmers i've, I've entered that and it was accepted by the committee uh also some wetland reforms including a minimal standards uh minimal effects standard that uh, allows an exemption from swamp buster uh, pending a report from the um the Secretary of Agriculture. So those are good improvements to it. It also does uh, it also provides some improvements to work requirements for work capable younger adults uh, who don't have who don't have young. Uh, so in other words, people who aren't disabled, people who aren't uh, who don't have uh, young dependent children um, and uh, are able to work are capable of working or or even in some, many cases, um, being trained for jobs that are that exist or in a region depending on where you live uh, so it provides some additional funding for work training programs so 71. yeah i mean if, if we could pass that bill as it is i'd be very supportive of that i don't expect that's the bill that we'll end up you know having at the end of the day uh you know that's how they start but i think as it is it's a fine bill
1: 701-293-9000 888-970-9329 email talk at WDAY.com if you have questions or comments for the congressman anything you like um the iran deal obviously big news this week president trump making the decision to withdraw from the united states uh withdraw the united states from that deal what what's next kevin i mean i, I know i know you support that decision but but what are the next steps
0: yeah i think the next steps will be um Reinstating sanctions, which I think the president said he's going to do, that the sanctions that were in place prior to the Iran deal, the sanctions that put the foot on their neck and um, and now I think we'll do that in addition to perhaps additional economic sanctions, uh, certainly be working with uh, others in the region, uh, Israel, obviously Saudi Arabia, who has had great concerns about iran's both nuclear and other terrorist ambitions um, so I would expect to see. More and tighter sanctions uh, being yeah. imposed on on the well,
3: Iranian let me, regime. Let me let me. I mean, on that
1: point, I mean, Israel obviously wasn't doing a lot of business with Iran. America right. doesn't do a lot of business with Iran. Saudi Arabia, right. I guess, I don't I don't know what level there. But how right. how effective are those sanctions going to be when you don't have you know the people who are urging us not to pull out of this pact? People like China specifically is <laughs> a big one. Yeah. How do yeah. you how effective are those sanctions going to be without them on board?
0: Well, I think the, the, the point being that this president doesn't lead from behind and he doesn't acquiesce American sovereignty and authority and leadership to China or other countries who are, you know, who are more inclined to work with Iran. And so when you have, as I often point out, when you are 5% of the world's population but 20, 20% of the world's economy, um, Donald Trump understands that leverage. He's not afraid of it. In fact, he, uh, he uses that leverage and trusts it. Which is why you, I think, are seeing the types of things that we're seeing, like um, you know North Korea suddenly at the negotiating table and now working toward peace. It's why you, you know, you've uh, you've seen as um, you've seen what he did just yesterday with the Iran nuclear deal. And you're, I just think that the, that all of those players will become players because when they're forced with the decision to be in business with Iran or be in business with the United States, the allies will will uh, rally around the United States position.
1: We, uh, we have some calls starting to line up, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, email talk at WDAY.com. It's open phones with Congressman Kevin Kramer right now. Cambern, you're on. What's up?
3: Good afternoon, Congressman. Good afternoon, Congressman.
1: Good afternoon, Cambern. Good afternoon.
3: On on the uh, current farm bill uh, in the House, there is, if I remember correctly, $1.8 billion for jobs programs, but examining... The federal uh, hierarchy, I will call it administration. Sure. There's approximately 33 job programs already in place. Right. Why do we want to add another one? Wouldn't it be more effective to use the dollars or not spend the dollars at all and direct people if you want them to work more that are receiving food stamps to? The myriad of job programs, uh, schooling, et cetera, et cetera, that's already in place. Why do we want to create another administration to do effectively what we're doing rampantly now?
0: Yeah, very well stated and very good and important point. What the Farm Bill does, as it is that came out of the House, is it steers those dollars to existing state-approved, federal and state-approved job programs. In other words... And this is why when I talk, by the way, to the folks at North Dakota Workforce and um, Health and Human Services, uh, they like this idea because it provides more federal dollars to, to support the programs that they already have in place. So what we're doing is we're trusting the states, we're working with the states and their existing programs. So, so it's really a much more efficient use of the dollars. And it's also, I think it's important to point out, this is a um, budget neutral farm bill that it doesn't add money, it simply redirects money that's already in the you know already in the uh, farm program by having a hold even budget because we're coming in under budget with the existing farm bill. So it's uh yeah it's really quite efficient, Cam. And I think you you make a good point. And it'd be crazy to create just another whole administrative agency.
1: Cameron, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Seven oh one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at WD wanna W-d-y.com. I want to keep moving here uh august you're on what's up
3: hey congressman thank you so much for taking my call my pleasure uh, so I, i've been reading about these budget tricks called uh that uh, president trump <laughs> wants to use to
0: right maybe, trim
3: federal spending by about 50 billion um right and you know what what concerns me is that uh from what i have read about half of that is going to come out of the uh, the uh chip you know the child health right. insurance program mm-hmm. and um Look, I, I'm all for trying to get our, our budget under control. I mean, I think it's gotten a little sure. ridiculous. But um, do you really think that cutting funding for a child health care program is really the way to go about this? I mean, do, do you stand behind the president
0: here? So, no, great, great question. And just for clarification, there was the fifteen billion dollar rescissions package. Doesn't cut any new funding. It only what it does is it, it um, recalls funding that hasn't been used for a number of years in some of these programs. Uh, going to, with the CHIP program, we just reauthorized and reappropriated 10 years' worth of CHIP, the most uh, generous and forward-reaching child uh, health insurance program uh, um, new reauthorization that we've ever done in the history of the program. And so, all of that new money replaces money that had been not being used over the over the last several years in CHIP. Now. To me, the, the next question, the first question I had was, well, how is it that when you reauthorize a program, that the old money stays in the account? And that raises, a, to me, a, another question about just how we manage the federal taxpayers' dollars when agencies can actually hang on to money, you know, well into the future when it hasn't been used. Now, some people have argued, and, I, and it's, I've been somewhat sensitive to this, that but when you have programs like CHIP or you know crop insurance or whatever it might be that having extra money in there beyond what's appropriated provides a bit of a buffer or, you know, big insurance policy. And I can understand that, but I also understand that Congress is always here. We've we've always got a Congress, and, uh, you know, stockpiling taxpayer dollars for an insurance policy when you have a legislative body that's already, you know, commissioned by Constitution to appropriate dollars doesn't really make a lot of sense. So so even you know, the CHIP program itself has confirmed that not, none of the program will be affected or, or any services will be hurt by rescinding some of the dollars from, from previous years.
1: August, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 701 888-970-9329, email talk at WDAY.com. Now, Kevin, uh, the other news we have today is that we, we have North Korea – Uh, releasing some American detainees, specifically uh, Mike Pompeo, on the way back from North Korea uh, with three Americans who had had been detained there. Um, I I don't have a lot of extra news about that. Are you hearing anything else? And and this obviously is I I know I know you put your name on a list of of members of Congress uh, who think President Trump deserves the Nobel Peace Prize for his right. work in north korea i, I thought right. that was a little bit premature but uh on this front this is really more good news with uh, out of the president's trump uh president trump's work and his administration's work in that country
0: well and you might recall that he he had some americans released from china when he, when he visited china uh earlier this year or late last year i don't remember exactly when it was but i guess it was last year and um You know, this president, as I said earlier, he has a knack for understanding and trusting the leverage that he has. And he has, uh, you know, some tremendous leverage with North Korea, which is I think this is just one more effort by North Korea to try to earn Donald Trump's um, respect. uh, And uh, because certainly they now respect him because they know he's a man who means business. So, yeah, it's it's obviously a diplomatic victory for Donald Trump. But more importantly, it's a really important victory for those three americans and their families and uh hopefully it's just the beginning of many more good things
1: uh kevin on the nobel prize thing do you think i mean obviously you don't think it's a little premature because you signed the letter i was critical when president obama got got the nobel peace prize because he won an election um i I, I mean i'm I'm very happy to see what's happening in north korea i feel like something very very good could happen there I, i just feel like we should wait until that something happens before we go saying hey nobel peace prize time
0: well, I don't think there's much question that the Nobel Peace Prize Committee lowered the standard pretty low when Donald, or when, when yeah. Barack Obama uh, that, was awarded that, it. That doesn't mean we have elections. to lower our standards, Kevin. Uh, uh, no, it, it doesn't necessarily, of course, but when you consider that, that Ronald Reagan, who won the Cold War, um, by the very, pretty much the same philosophy that Donald Trump employs, minus, uh, you know, communication style that are certainly different in that sense, but, but it's the same, uh, peace through strength. Um, philosophy and application, and uh, and, Donald, and even Ronald Reagan, the great Ronald Reagan, was denied the Nobel Peace Prize. So I think for some of us that have been around for a little while and understand that history, we feel like it's appropriate to at least put a marker down. And I think we, at the very least, have done that.
1: Congressman, thanks for your time. As always, always a pleasure. Thanks, Rob. That's Congressman Kevin Kramer. This is Rob Report, 970 WDAY-AM, 93.1 FM. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Report, 970 WDAY-AM, 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Just talked with uh, Kevin Kramer, asked him about the Harold Hamm thing. And, and the Democrats, I mean, listen, I, I got the press releases. The Democrats are, are pushing this, you know, and it's it's always – it's funny how they all start talking about the same thing at the same time, right? All of a sudden, their mouthpieces in the media and, and their their social media feeds and everything, all of a sudden, right on the same message, right? That doesn't happen by accident. Um, but in this instance, whatever the source of the criticism, I, I kind of feel like they have a point. I was disappointed in, in Kramer's uh, answer – on uh, on why he got into the senate and he was just on and, and he provided some context he said that you know harold ham's pledge of of you know financial support helping him fundraising basically uh was just part of you know the, the calculus and i i guess that's fair but I, I don't know eric he was asked during that interview what was the reason like like what was the deciding factor and he said it was harold ham and um
4: well, not that, you know, I, I, he's not a wealthy guy. So, I mean, I've, I, I don't know how much specifically, how much money he has. But you know very well that Heidi Heitkamp is going into this race with a war chest. And I'm sure that what, was one of know. the major concerns. is Like, am I going to be able to raise enough money? Because probably didn't need to raise that much for his congressional seat. But the numbers right now is each candidate is going to spend about $10 million per side for this race. And it's probably going to be above that unless there's a cap yeah. that I'm not aware about.
1: There is no cap, um, other, other other than there's a cap on how much any one person can give. Uh, but other it, it, uh, in total, no. I mean, the presidential candidates have, I mean, I think President Obama in one of his cycles raised like a billion dollars. um, It's insane, the amount of money that gets poured into this stuff. And, and I don't have a problem. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Heidi Heitkamp's already, I mean, she's got a big head start. I mean, Kevin Kramer, the Democrats have been running cream puffs against Kevin Kramer. I mean, Chase Iron Eyes, who was the Democratic House candidate in the last cycle that of faced off against Kevin Kramer, was a joke. He had no business being on the campaign trail. He was not a serious candidate. So Kevin Kramer hasn't really had to, I mean, if he's running for the House again, he doesn't have to raise a lot of money. Well, now he's in the Senate race. He's got to raise a lot of money. I get tapping Harold Hamm. So, I mean, I I don't, and I don't have a problem. I mean, I, Democrats invoke Harold Hamm like he's some evil villain, uh, and he's not. He's a guy, he's a very important industrial guy, very important to our state. Like Kevin said, uh, he's a big reason. He cracked the code in the pocket. He's a, he was a pioneer in developing oil. That's been great for our state. He pays a lot of taxes here. He employs a lot of people here. Those are all good things for North Dakota. That said, um, I don't know. If, if you're asked what was the reason you decided to run, I don't know. You say, well, this billionaire promised to raise money for me. That That's pretty uninspiring.
4: Yeah, I get it, but it might be an honest answer. I mean, the, it gets yeah. back to his family theme. He, do you have a big enough water jug by the way? Just, isn't you're it a gigantic? The teal about having a giant piece of pizza and I well, swear you isn't that a like pizza this big gulp. I have ever seen but it's a Well, blue it's container. full of water. Is that like it's a It's called Is that a it's gallon? Called, it's called the bubba. <laughs> oh,
1: it's called the bubba. It's water. It's ice water.
4: So anyway, his his first answer, and I had a chance to talk to him as well in an interview with Kevin Kramer when he said no the first time was the fact that he wanted to spend more time with family. And I'm quite sure, and I believe one of his answers was, you got to spend a heck of a lot of time on the trail, not only campaigning, but also trying to raise money. And if again, if it alleviates the fact that he's not having to raise a bunch of money and somebody else is doing a portion of it for him... It might have put his mind at ease a little bit. If besides having, yeah. Besides the other promise that Donald Trump is going to be coming here, that he won't let right. the cat out of the bag, but I guarantee that had to have been one of the things that was promised. That's well, just I, me, re, though.
1: Well, re, Republicans tell me, Republican party officials tell me that that Trump's going to be in the state at least twice, stumping for for Kramer. Um, and and you're right, those sort of commitments. I mean, Kramer doesn't want to, you know, take the. I mean, because remember, he's given up his seat in the House, which he was almost assured reelection to. Right. If Kramer stays in that house race, I don't think Max Schneider gets in that race. And I think I think they run another cream puff against Kramer Um, and Kramer could have beat Max Schneider, too. I mean, there's just he's rolling the dice. And I think to roll the dice, he wanted some assurances for people like him. I just again, you're asked the question, why did you decide? I think you give a more inspiring answer than this billionaire promised to raise money for me. I'm just and again, I like the billionaire. I don't have a problem with that. I just I think that was a mistake. More to come straight ahead, 701 Email talk at wdy.com. Don't go away. Can't believe you don't like my water jug, Eric. I like it. It's
4: just uh, rather large. Let's put yeah, I'm that just, way. I'm, I'm trying to drink more water. <laughs>
1: I'm drinking too much soda. I'm trying to drink more water.
4: Okay, so this is one of those. I'm assuming you got this from a convenience store somewhere, and you bought like 64 ounces of no this Coke. Is like, and you got this that. is like
1: from uh, I think it's from Target. Really, is where we got this. Yeah, is
4: that it's one of those dollar job. sales where they're yeah, trying to get rid of the? Yeah, it's these one novelty? of the ones. doesn't
1: like it. It doesn't sweat, so it has like uh, it's got like the double wall thing. Well, I'm proud oh. of you for drinking the water,
4: but it, again, it totally freaked me out. I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I just see this ginormous blue
1: jug tipping towards your face. All right. I'm like, what the? Guy's trying to get a drink of water. All right. Um, and we have a uh, listener over the break uh, on Twitter, and and I've, I've, been, I've been a little bit critical. We, and we just had the congressman on, Congressman Kramer on. Normally, he does his open phone segment on Wednesdays at one thirty. Today, uh, he had to do it at noon. Uh, But he was on, he was taking some calls. Democrats, uh, you know, attacking him today uh, because um, Harold Hamm is his finance director and for his uh, for his campaign and which I don't have a problem with. I don't think that's a big deal. But when Kramer was asked, well, why did you run? He said, well, you know, it's because Harold Hamm, you know, basically urged me to and promised to be my finance director. And that that kind of put him over the top. Um, I expected something more inspiring. Anyway, listener on Twitter says I agree somewhat to saying that he agrees with my criticism. However, the context needs to be added. Kramer initially indicated that his reason for not running was he didn't want to be he want, didn't want to be out of state raising cash. Ham took care of that singular concern Kramer raised, which I think Eric is the point you're making. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I I guess. I don't know. And it, I mean, I don't want to blow this up into a bigger deal. And I mean, we're Democrat. I mean, listen, Heidi Heitkamp's hurting right now. Uh, her polling numbers have been falling. Um, and 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 according to Letters of the Editor, I'm I'm the devil for pointing that out. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm not in control of Morning Consult's polling. She's gone from a 60% approval rating to a 44% approval rating since July of last year. That's that's not my fault. All right. Don't shoot the messenger. So her camp, I mean, she's hurting. The senator's hurting. She's in trouble, uh, and they needed they needed to, you know, get some dirt on on Kramer. And I guess, you know, he said that they're going to make it a big deal. I'll admit their criticism's not necessarily unwarranted. I, uh, I I I found myself when I when I saw it even before the Democrats started messaging on it. Uh, he said that I was watching the uh, I was watching the the segment, the interview with Dana Mock, and I when he said that I he gave me pause. I was like, huh. I wouldn't have said that. You know, years ago though, and I, I don't know Eric because I mean you've interviewed Kevin. Mm-hmm. Years ago, I had, I had a reporter friend, um, who, uh, and I, I don't want to give too many because he, um, you know, I'm, I'm using he, I'm using comments that he made to me uh, in, a, in a friendly way. He described Kevin, and this has always stuck with me. And this was this was back before Kevin was even elected to the House. He described Kevin Kramer to me as someone who was recklessly honest, recklessly honest. And that always stuck with me because sometimes Kevin puts his foot in his mouth, right? He doesn't say the thing that would probably be most beneficial with him. I feel like that's kind of true of him. I think he's recklessly honest. I think sometimes he just says the thing and lets the chips fall where they may.
4: I would agree with that assessment.
1: Politically, maybe not always wise, but, you know. I guess so. I guess kudos to Kevin. I mean, if that's how he felt about Harold Hamm, kudos to him for telling the truth. I, I guess he could have given us something, uh, and, and maybe that's what what cued me into it. Is it just was something outside of what you normally hear from a politician? So much political messaging has become rote, uh, just sort of boilerplate, right? I mean, it almost gets to the point where there's a there's like a rhythm to how these people message to how they talk and it can lull you to sleep and all of a sudden somebody says something that that falls a little bit out that rhythm and it seems jarring so maybe that's what this was but anyway
4: again i'll go back down this road one more time but if you listen to the democrats talk about it today they make it sound like that's the only reason and it's not the only reason it was just it was the was one a that reason. pushed them that's over fair.
1: the top that's fair that's fair it's it's it wasn't the only reason and I, you know, and again, um, I'm sure Heidi Heitkamp, before she's ever made her political, wanted to understand what her support was going to be. You know, who's going to raise money for me? Who's going to support me? I don't want to go out here and put myself on a limb uh, if I don't know that I've got some commitments for people. That's that's standard. You know, nobody runs for office without that sort of thing. And by the way, she
4: gets money from out of state. So people want to push more that than
1: Harold Hands from Oklahoma. Well,
4: guess what? Yeah. Heidi gets a bunch of support and money from other areas as well.
1: Well, I actually have some numbers. So for quarter one, and this is the first time I think that we can really start to compare quarter one 2018, because prior to this, Kevin Kramer wasn't running for the Senate. As a matter of fact, he wasn't running for the Senate for a big chunk of quarter one. Uh, But just looking at individual itemized contributions, um, Heidi Heitkamp is uh, she got 86 percent of her quarter one donations from out of state. North Dakota. Now, I don't have the numbers for Kramer yet, and I. I got to put those together yet. Yeah. But just looking at hers, 100 in, in quarter one, 2018, $116,496 uh, from in-state, $717,456 from out-of-state. That's quarter one. In 2017, it was 94% of her money from out-of-state. Now, again, I don't have the numbers for Kramer, and I'm not even sure the 2017 numbers are comparable because Kramer wasn't really campaigning yet for the Senate. So I'll have the quarter one for, for Kramer. We'll get a post up on the blog about it. but. Yeah, I mean, it is it is funny. I mean, when your candidate is getting, you know, 86%, 90%, 94% of your money from out of state, and now you're going to hit Kevin Kramer for fundraising with with Harold Hamm, who lives out of state, but obviously, as as Kramer said, is very much invested in North Dakota. That that smacks of hypocrisy. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Speaking of hypocrisy, did you catch Helmut Schmidt's uh, article about Ed Schultz? Uh, I saw
4: just a tiny piece of it. I didn't read it. I love Helmut, but I did not read the whole thing.
1: So uh, are you going to talk a little bit about Comrade Schultz? Comrade Schultz. (laughs) Can we, can we just, I mean, listen, in this business, you know, we're all, we're all opinion people in this business. Right. And I get that. And I've, I've got my position and I, I wear it on my sleeve. I'm a conservative Republican. I agree with Republicans a lot more. Often that I, uh, I I agree with Democrats. That's just the way it is. I'm not hiding from it or anything like that. But nobody, despite what, you know, some overzealous people on Twitter or maybe some other commentators might want to say, nobody buys me off. I'm not paid to say a certain thing. Right. You're, you're going to hear from me. Uh, and I'm going to, um, the Republican Party doesn't pay me. Uh, Ed Schultz, though, crossed, I, I feel like he crossed a Rubicon when he went to went to work for Russian television, Russian, Russian Today television is what it's called. RT. RT. I mean, it's literally funded by the government. Yes. By the Putin regime. And all of a sudden, I mean, he went in, in 2014, and I'm reading from, from Helmut, if you haven't read this article by Helmut Schmidt, the headline is, Russia Today host, former Fargo-Moorhead media personality, Ed Schultz defends Putin and Russia. Now, the thing about that is if you go back to Schultz in 2014, He's talking about Putin's nasty human rights record. Uh, he's attacking Republicans, saying that they had embraced the former KGB lieutenant governor. Uh, Putin is their new hero, he said. Putin being the um, nickname, I guess, George W. Bush gave to him. But now flash forward to today, and Schultz gets asked, he was on a National Review podcast uh, with a gentleman by the name of Jamie Weinstein, gets asked if, uh, if, if he still thought that Putin had a, has a nasty human rights record. Uh, he shot back. I think the United States has a nasty human rights r- record. Uh, he he said his previous comments might have been overboard. Now I, <laughs> I I I think you can't have that sort of a 180 degree turnaround after going to work for the guy you were previously critical of, and and pretend like that doesn't have something to do with where your paycheck's coming from. Like I I, I just I don't I don't think you can do that. Like, you, you can't be like, Putin has a nasty human rights record, and then Putin comes and hires you for his propaganda network, and all of a sudden you're saying, oh, maybe I was a little overzealous of being critical of Putin. I mean, this, this is embarrassing for Ed Schultz. I mean, I would, I would be in, if I was a if I were him, I would have just retired. I mean, I understand, like, you get to a point and you want to stay in the game. I get that, right? But, People talk about selling out. This is selling out. This is what selling out means. Ed Schultz's opinions appear to be apparently for sale. If if, if he if somebody will pay him, he will just toe the party line. And that, I think, is pretty gross. 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Eric, are you editorializing on that last segment with this? This bump music? Pay me my money down. What? (laughs) Pay me my money. (laughs) Ed Schultz is getting paid. I,
4: I, I would say this, that I can't see him if he ever leaves that job and wants another job in regular broadcasting, unless it's for a local radio station. Can't see in a national company hiring him after working for the RT.
1: No, I mean, it's just gross. I mean, just, you know. I mean, they wanted to pay Ed Schultz to be Ed Schultz, and he was consistent with his past, whatever. And and I even understand that that people's points of view on issues evolve over time. Um, You know, so I'm even willing to make some room for that. But, I mean, this was pretty transparently. He got hired by the Russian regime, and now he's a flack for the Russian regime. He got paid. He got himself paid. Uh, Coming up in the next segment, Nan Hayworth, she's a former congresswoman from New York, is going to be on. We're going to talk about... Uh, the Trump administration pulling out of the Iran deal. Um, the, the responses locally, Heidi Heitkamp, it fell along partisan lines. Our Republicans, uh, John Hovind, Kevin Kramer, uh, they're in favor of the deal, pulling out of the deal. Also, uh, U.S. House candidate, Republican U.S. House candidate Kelly Armstrong, uh, Democratic Senator Heidi Heitkamp uh, is against withdrawing from the deal, uh, the, the nuclear agreement with Iran. Uh, And also uh, U.S. House candidate Max Schneider. So I guess no surprises there. We'll talk with Nan about that. Um, I'm also seeing that Nan is a a New York Yankees fan, of course, being a Republican congresswoman from New York. Nobody's perfect. Not surprising. You know, the evil empire, we all got together and had a meeting a couple months back. We just decided that that we're only going to lose a game every couple weeks. Kind of seems that way.
4: They're playing like they should have probably from the uh, the start, but you know they got to avoid the injury bug, and there's slumps that happen. But right now, yeah. although I have not seen what they've done in the last few games, but uh, they were been red hot. still winning. We beat
1: now. we beat the Red Sox last night. Yeah.
4: oofta Then Jim Shaw's not going to be very happy. Yeah. Well, is that series continuing or is that wrapping? Yeah. Well, that was
1: the first game. Okay. That was the first game. It was a three game series. So, um, I think it's a three game series. So anyway, we. Uh, yeah, played the uh played the Red Sox last night. We won and uh it was awesome. And I love baseball. Everything is right in the world. We're even tied for first place now in the AL East.
4: Which is crazy to think about because at one point you guys won 14 out of 15, but the Red Sox got off to such a hot start that it took that to catch up to them.
1: They did. Well, they slowed down a little bit, but they've been still playing about 500 ball, 500 plus ball, so um, yeah, we're doing pretty good. How are the Twins doing?
4: Twins have actually rebounded. They've won five straight now, and they're only a half game out of the pathetic Central Division.
1: All teams in the Central see, Division I, I, are
4: under five hundred.
1: I was gonna see. I was gonna say like the only. Two, I was looking at the standings, and the only team in the AL Central that was above five hundred was the first place team.
4: Well, the big difference, at least one of them, is Fernando Romero is the uh, the pitcher the Twins called up about a week and a half ago. He's made two starts. He's the uh, number two prospect in the system, and he has yet to give up a run, and he definitely stabilized that team. So if he can keep coming, I mean, he's 97-mile-an-hour fastball on the edges so far. He's been outstanding. So maybe the team's going to turn around.
1: Hope springs eternal, especially this time of year. Uh, All right, Nan Hayworth coming up next. We're talking Iran deal. This is the Rob Report 970 WDAY-AM 93.1 FM. No go away. Welcome back, Rob Report 970 WDAY-AM 93.1 FM. Well, big things are happening on the national stage. President Donald Trump has withdrawn the United States of America from a nuclear weapons agreement struck with Iran. Also in North Korea, not only do we seem to be moving towards a historic meeting, you know, seeing a... Well, early signs of a historic reunion between North and South Korea, also a a potential meeting between the North Korean uh, leader and uh, President Trump. Uh, We also just got news that uh, Mike Pompeo is on his way back from North Korea. Maybe he's back by now. I don't know, uh, with three Americans who were detained there. So a lot of good news on that front. Um, Just a lot of good things happening nationally. Here to talk with us about it, Republican congressman, a former Republican congressman from the state of New York, Nan Hayworth. And, Nan, how you doing? First of all, and uh, how about them Yankees from uh, a Midwestern <laughs> yeah. Yankee fan?
2: Oh, I know, Rob. Wow. Uh, as a Yankees fan, I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> but happier still to be with you again. Nice, yeah, to, that's nice re- to join you.
1: I was just telling Eric that we uh, we members of the evil empire got together and decided we're only going to lose a ball game every couple weeks.
2: Yeah, I mean, but you know what? What's beautiful is baby bombers. I think everybody yeah. can appreciate someone like an Aaron Judge, uh, you know, who's just Bergen. he just comes to work, does his job. I mean, all those guys. Yeah. You know, that's it's beautiful it reminds us of uh you know the uh, uh great uh, generation of yankees including mariano rivera and bernie williams you know uh, who uh, uh 20 years ago now uh, were yeah. uh, driving the team to make Derek jeter to amazing things so you know god yeah. bless they're hard working so, and they're getting rewarded
1: that, that makes me feel so old i when i was a teenager Derek jeter was just coming up and that was that was my <laughs> first team and now i'm now they're all retired <laughs> and on their way to the hall of fame and i'm I'm uh, I'm feeling old, man, but we're not here to talk baseball. We're here to talk <laughs> I about... I got
2: 20 years on you, so don't worry. You're young. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Ho- hopefully it's not all downhill from here. <laughs>
2: no, um, no. It's good. It's good.
1: <laughs> we're here to talk about national. President Trump making a decision yesterday to withdraw us from uh, the Iran nuclear deal. Now, here in North Dakota, our uh, Senator Heidi Heitkamp, who, by the way, voted for the deal, uh, she sent out a press release. This yeah. was her reaction. Uh, she says, I like, quote, uh, the decision to unilaterally pull out of this agreement carries risk i'm concerned it could reduce our visibility into iran's nuclear program and limit options short of war for preventing a nuclear armed iran i'm concerned it runs the risk of unleashing a potential arms race in a perennially unsettled region and i'm concerned it isolates us from allies we need more than ever especially during a time when our country already faces many threats at home and abroad uh she says that's her reasons for opposing President Trump's decisions. Mm-hmm. What do you make of that?
2: Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? In, in principle, uh, the concerns that Senator Heitkamp expresses are legitimate concerns. But here's the, here's, the, here's the flip on that, which is that that deal was such a bad deal for the world, for the Middle East. It did not. You know, When, when it, as a perfect example, in contrast, when South Africa in the 1990s said we're going to denuclearize, President de Klerk said, you all can inspect us anywhere, anytime. That's transparency. And as we know, that was not built into this Iran deal. We know from all the evidence that the Iranian theocracy, it's not the Iranian people, it's the Iranian theocracy – are dishonest. They seek to deceive. The Obama administration was, you know, they, their entire philosophy was defer and capitulate, whatever we need to do to get the deal. Can we be super, super nice to you? Can we send you $100 billion in new capital? Can we send you $1.8 billion in unmarked bills on a pallet in the middle of the night? Then will you be nice to us, please, please, please? Donald Trump says, forget it. It's not going to work. You guys have been fomenting violence and death. Everywhere you go, that money has gone to terror. We're not going to take it anymore, and we are going to demand that you denuclearize. And we're going to do it in a way that uh, will be verifiable.
1: And he's right. So, so you say, uh, Senator Heitkamp, and I agree with you. That the concerns that she raised, and I was just reading from her press yeah. release that she sent out yesterday. Those concerns, uh, not unreasonable. So yeah, I, I right. guess I guess my question for you then is, as somebody de- de- defending President Trump's decision, um, you yeah. say it was a bad deal. Senator Heitkamp says, "Well, these are the these are some which you and I agree are, are valid. These are maybe some yeah. of the drawbacks of withdrawing from that deal." Sure. Well, th- well, then what do we do? I mean, it's it's one thing to say, right. "Okay, this was a bad deal." Well, then what's the alternative? Right. I mean, what what right. are we doing? What's our approach to Iran now?
2: You know, Bob, sanctions do work, they were, this is the the irony of this situation, is that the sanctions were working, the theocracy was willing to, you know, eager to come to the bargaining table, in a sense, because they were on the ropes. I mean, it's the Iranian people who are suffering, and the president uh, rightly and poignantly Noted that you know the Iranian people are not the theocracy, but you know they were on the ropes from the sanctions that were actually starting to cripple the theocracy. And what did the Obama administration do? Uh, You know they they negotiated a deal that gave Iran uh, more than or or less than you know gave us less, if you will, more than we should have asked for. uh, You know less than we should have asked for, rather more than they deserved. Uh, and left us with a structure that, yeah, you know what? Uh, When the senator talks about our allies in Europe, they're making tons and tons and tons of money off these deals with Iran. They're they're doing business in Iran. So are some American companies. Uh, But when you cut that off, you know, when you instant, you can economically cripple a country. And the interesting aspect of this, another interesting aspect, I should say, is that now we're dealing with North Korea. And guess who's friend north korea has been and with whom they have had an exchange of technology and resources for many years iran so now well, you me, know so like and we got your friend in the other room by the way
1: yeah? yeah well well let me let me let me ask you this um because i was i just had congress and by the way if people want to call it 701-293-9000 888-970-9329 email talk at wday.com you could tweet me to at rob port um Let me ask you this question because I had Congressman Kramer on in the program earlier, and I was asking him about this because I I understand, you know, the economic sanctions were working. Let's go Mm -hmm. back to the economic sanctions, except if the Mm -hmm. United States is kind of going this alone and not necessarily alone. We have Israel with us. We have Saudi Arabia with us. But how much I mean, Israel wasn't doing economic business with with Iran to begin with. Um right. for, for reasons no. we, we are, yeah. which are obvious. <laughs> yeah. um, Saudi yeah, Arabia, right. I, I don't I don't know that they were doing a lot of business with Iran either. Uh, so, Not I mean, right. how much I mean, w- those economic sanctions lose their because uh, the United States of America doesn't right. do a lot of business with Iran. So those economic sanctions lose their um, effectiveness lose their if, we're, yeah. if we're kind of doing it alone or we're the group of people that weren't really doing much with Iran to begin with.
2: You know, Rob. There's there's no question that, uh, again, you know, we've been talking about it. But you know, we do have friends in Europe uh, and in the Middle East whom we have to bring along with us uh, on this effort. And one of the ways that we accomplish that is by strengthening the United States as a friend and as a foe. So the president has steadily been unleashing the economic power of the United States that was being throttled for eight years under Barack Obama, including our domestic energy production. I know you were talking about that with Congressman Kramer, right? We are now the world's number one oil producer. Isn't that fascinating? We're bigger than Saudi Arabia. He has unleashed our worker potential. He has deregulated steadily since day one. He is rebuilding our military. So he is making evident to the world that the United States is no longer to be considered uh, a nation that might be in some way on the decline or willing to lead or follow from behind. No, we're going to be up front for the right reasons. And I think that's a crucial part of this relationship. You know, we want to be the world's best trading partner, right? So,
1: yeah.
2: President's got a lot of balls up in the air, but he had big, big, big messes to deal with. So,
1: yeah, well, that's—I I think that's certainly true. Um, with with Iran specifically, do, do you think that the situation coming out of North Korea? Because I, I, I think—I think President Trump. I mean, obviously, anytime you you pull out of a deal, we just had we just had the French president here, you know, urging him not yes. to pull out. We've had a lot of the right. international community. Trump's being a bit of a maverick. Right, Trump's going out a little bit on his own. Do you feel like what's happening in North Korea gives him more credibility on Iran? Like people thought he was crazy he on did. North Korea with the whole button thing and all that stuff. It seems like right. like things are going well with North Korea. Does he have right. more credibility now to work with for his work on Iran?
2: I, I do think he does, uh, Rob. And I, I think it, just the the scene that is developing. And it's it's been fascinating to watch it because it's really from day one when President Trump seriously entered the presidential arena. This is a man who is blunt. But as he has, you know, and, and everybody, you know, there's there's been, as you know, a lot of pearl clutching about all of this. Right. You know, the way the president says things, he is, you know, he has said, for example, to our NATO allies to bring up our friends in Europe again hey, you know what, we love you guys, but you're not paying your fair share of your NATO dues. And, you know, that's got to stop. I love the way he talks about things, right? You know, I mean, he just, you know, he's standing there with Angela Merkel, and he says, you know, you guys are great. You know, you're, you're our dear friends, but please, it's not fair to us. You do understand, don't you? You know, and it's not like, you know, there's, there's no beating around the bush. You know, he's not BSing. When Barack Obama said there's a red line in Syria, Right. There was no red line. Well, maybe not. You know, when Donald Trump said there's a red line on chemical weapons in Syria, boom, you know, and they were taken out. Uh, It's a difference. People are noticing. and They're like, this guy's this guy's serious. But you know what? He's telling us he's being direct with us. And I think there's something to be respected in that.
1: I I think there is. But Iran is now threatening to restart their their nuclear program. That's obviously something we do not want. What is, pro- sure. what is President Trump, I mean, for, for, from the position that we're in now, we're no longer yeah. a part of that agreement, um, where does the president go now?
2: Well, look, the, the because the, the agreement is nominally still in effect, you know, they still have to submit to these inspections if the Europeans are continuing to do business with them for the time being. As you know, the president, when he announced this new direction, Said we're going to have a cooling down period of 90 to 180 days. Let's go back to the negotiating table. So there's going to be, yeah, this is going to be, it really is, you know, it's, it's six level chess. It's finesse. But, you know, one thing I'm very confident about, Mike Pompeo, whom I was a fellow freshman with in the U.S. House, uh, is a brilliant guy. Uh, who understands our intelligence capabilities, our military capabilities. He's hand in glove with the president. Uh, And I don't think either he nor President Trump is going to either be duped by anyone, but nor will they miss an opportunity to collaborate productively because they want this to succeed. And President Trump is not some kind of reckless maverick, if you will, although I understand why you're using that word, Rob. Uh, President Trump is a man of action. Yeah. So, you know, we have, we have seen impending failure. And unfortunately, you know, Iran has been thoroughly dishonest, as we know. So they, their nuclear capabilities, frankly, have always been assumed. Uh, you know, so, so it's fair to anticipate that as that 2025 deadline approached, and probably well before that, uh, various nations in the Middle East were going to start to rev up their own nuclear programs, potentially. Right? Because they're sort of like, well, we know they're going to be getting the bomb once this deal expires, if not before. Yeah. They continue to develop ballistic missiles. They've continued to fund Hamas and Hezbollah. They're making trouble in Yemen uh, that's tormenting the Saudis. Uh, so, you know, there's really, they're a rogue regime. You know, so it, it really probably was never something that we could be fully confident in that they were. And what's, you know, the 24 day inspection uh, notice? What's that about? Yeah. Because components of nuclear weapons that don't require uh, fissile material can be developed uh, without any traces. Uh, you know, you can, you can remove all that stuff within 24 days, even if there might be some way uh, of detecting nuclear uh, fissile material. Uh, you know, other things they can, uh, they can develop uh, kind of at will. So it's it a hollow deal to yeah. begin with.
1: I think those arguing that withdrawing from this deal makes us less safe and that's what Senator and I I, I don't think those concerns are unreasonable but that's essentially Senator right. Heitkamp's argument is that withdrawing sure. from this deal makes us less safe. I think they have to demonstrate that the deal itself was going to be right. keeping us safe to begin with Precisely. Um, which I'm, I'm agree, not Rob. I'm not exactly sure that it was. Nan we're all out of time though. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate it.
2: It's always a privilege. Love to come back.
1: That's uh, Nan Hayworth, former Congresswoman from the great state of new york this is rob port 970 wdy am 93.1 fm we'll be right back don't go away welcome back rob Report, 970 wdy am 93.1 fm 701 293 9000 888 970 email talk at com. just got done talking with the former new york congresswoman uh, nan hayworth about this uh well the iran deal and the north korea situation this was kind of funny i was just reading a this is from fox news so you know they're a little bit of a ideologically driven source still headline is new york times slams a wall pompeo then learns he was rescuing americans article reads as the new york times was bashing mike pompeo for being missing in action while president trump tore up the iran nuclear deal it turned out the secretary of state was busy rescuing three americans who had been held captive in north korea In an apparent jab at the administration the times headline said at a key moment trump's top diplomat is again diplomat is again thousands of miles away. The Times story noted that senior, quote, senior State Department officials were momentarily speechless on Tuesday when asked why Mr. Pompeo did not delay his trip by a day to be in Washington during Mr. Trump's Iran deal announcement. It became clear on Wednesday morning why Pompeo didn't delay his trip to Pyongyang when Trump took to Twitter. I am pleased to inform you that the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, is in the air and on his way back from North Korea with the three wonderful gentlemen that everyone is looking so forward to meeting, they seem to be in good health. Uh, Secretary Papeo and his guests will be landing at Andrews Air Force Base at 2 a.m. in the morning. Uh, I will be there to greet them. Very exciting. Um, I feel like I, obviously the Times probably got a little bit of egg on their face on that one. Um, that said, and by the way, if you want to join in, 701 293 888-970-9329, email, talk, at WDAY.com. That said, I, I sometimes wonder if the press isn't reporting on President Trump's reactions, just seeing him through the lens that if Trump is doing it, it must be stupid and or ill-advised. And I think that's a dangerous thing to do, is to assume that a thing is wrong because a person that you don't like or that you don't agree with is doing it. I think that's very dangerous, and I think a lot of people in the press, I think a lot of people in the commentary, the, the universe of, of punditry that exists now on the Internet and in, in our traditional uh, media outlets, I think a lot of them are making that mistake. If Trump's doing it, it must be dumb. It must be evil. It must be racist. It must be terrible. It must be the wrong thing to do because he's doing it, and he's terrible and awful and racist and all those things. And so if he does a thing, it must be all those things. And I don't, I don't think that's right. It could very well be that President Trump's doing the right thing in Iran. I think it's right to maybe be concerned, but I don't know that the Iran deal that, that President Obama, the Obama administration, st- and, and that Senator Heidi Heitkamp voted for, that they struck with Iran, I don't know that it was that good of a deal. I think that there were deep, deep flaws in it. I'm not sure that those flaws were fixable, although I, I think President Trump is maybe trying to fix them and he's going about it in his usual uh his usual way, which is to be brash, which is to be bombastic. Um but I don't know, I mean maybe it'll pay dividends. Well I mean what happens if this stuff works? You know, I, I, I guess that's my question. You know, and it, and it kind of gets, I mean, there's all these dire warnings about what President Trump's going to do to our national security. What is he going to do to our national perception on the national stage in the international community? What's he going to do? He's going to have us at war with North Korea. He's going to have us at war with Iran. What if none of those things happen? What if he actually improves the situation? What if he does all this and he, and he brings his typically bombastic style with the insults and the Twitter stuff and and and, and the... The seemingly at times bizarre behavior and yes even the the outright falsehoods that he perpetrates at times sometimes seemingly with a wink where he's even acknowledging tacitly that he's not telling the truth what if it all works and it gets outcomes that are better for america and better for the world i know that's a difficult thing for trump's critics to contemplate i know how they feel about it they hate the guy Believe me, I, I see them. I I hate them. I read the social media stuff when, when I'm even even remotely even remotely complimentary of Trump. The hate emails that I get. People hate him. But I'm telling you that hate can be dangerous. If you're if you're ultimately concerned with good outcomes for our country and for the world, assuming that everybody somebody you don't like does is wrong. Is a dangerous place to be. More to come straight ahead. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at wday.com. Don't go away. We had our funeral? What?
4: Hey, this is Steve Earl, man. You just chill out. Good stuff. Copperhead Road. Steve Earl, I believe, is coming to Fargo this summer. All right. You're not a Steve Earl fan? He's okay. You don't even know who he is. I look at, I'm look. looking at your eyes right I've now. Heard like... I've heard this.
1: I've heard Copperhead Road, and I've heard of Steve Earle. I, I don't know a ton about him, no. I'll this admit.
4: this kind of fits into that other stuff you got in your music library. So. All
1: right. Doesn't
4: it? I mean, it's got that a little, little bit, folksy. I'm trying to expand your horizons, and I can see that that's going to be tough to let's, do.
1: Let's not. Yeah. <laughs> Eric, I am fundamentally a conservative in all things.
4: Can you pick somebody else besides Hank Sr. as somebody that I can throw in? Like maybe just two more artists that Hank's you like besides Grandpa Jones. <laughs> Are you kidding
1: me? We have, we, have, we have the white stripes. We got a lot of good stuff.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I had to pick
4: on you a little yeah. bit. All
1: 293 right. 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY. Dot com. Uh, yesterday hey, – oh, Eric, did you watch um, yesterday? I brought it up, I think, towards the end of the show because I just – I hadn't watched the audio or anything. I just saw the headlines. Uh, but uh, watch the audio. Watch the video. <laughs> um. <laughs> The um, the Google Assistant, like, calling and making appointments for people.
4: Mike Capo was telling me about that, that that's uh, – and maybe you mentioned it as well yesterday, but I know somebody yeah. did, uh, talking about that uh, there's a system now that, that actually uses a real voice, or at least it's confusing people. that They can make an, like, make an appointment for me, and it'll do it.
1: It was – you have to watch this video um, if you want to see it. And it's – I mean, it's creepy. I mean, it triggered – um, have you ever heard of the un- the concept of the un- Uncanny Valley? No. It's a uh, – okay, so it's it's – I'm forgetting who came up with it, but basically it's, it's a concept in robotics that if, if you get a robot that's human-looking to a certain point – like we're comfortable with robots that don't look at all like humans. And we're comfortable with robots that we can't tell the – I mean obviously you can't tell the difference between a robot and a human being. Comfortable with that but there's an uncanny valley between those two where robots that look a lot like humans but are just a little off they creep the crap out of us. And I think I think that's what this voice has kind of done for a lot of people like you you, you tell your Google Home or whatever to you know make an appointment for you like make an appointment to get your car serviced or something and and now this 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 robot that's pretending to be a human being calls and it's I mean it's 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 uncanny. I mean, it's it's a little it's a little frightening.
4: It is crazy. I, I don't know if I'm ready for that next stage. I think I can make the appointment myself, but I suppose for the super busy person, it might be a good tool.
1: I like. I mean, I I won't I won't lie. It it tickles my fancy the idea to be able to do that. Of course, right? it does. And I well, because I'm a gadget head and I like this stuff and I have Google Homes in my house that I use. Um, I have I have one. In fact, I have one in my bedroom that I. I use it for an alarm. I use it to listen to music on. Um, I It even has a routine. I tell my Google Home goodnight. It tells me the weather forecast for the next day. It asks me what time I'd like to set my alarm. It turns my lamps off in my room uh, and then plays me my bedtime so playlist.
4: This isn't going to be like some weird Joaquin Phoenix relationship thing that you have going on no, with Siri. No, for is it? crying out loud.
1: <laughs> Eric.
4: I love you, Siri. Get your mind out of the gutter,
1: although the Google Home will tell you that it loves you if you ask. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and I get what, how do you know that, Rob? Cause I don't, asked I, I don't ask, <laughs> don't ask, uh, Kyle, a uh, message. He goes, the AI didn't sound very North Dakota nice though. Uh, no please or thanks use or sorry to bug use in there. Um, yeah, I mean it didn't, but I, the thing was, is that the person who answered the phone couldn't tell the difference. I mean this, the artificial intelligence, it even, because she said like, um, it asked, you know, I'd like to make a hair appointment on Tuesday between 10 and 12 or something like that. And in the video I saw, the woman goes, "Okay, let me just check the schedule." And the the AI the AA did like a mm hmm, like like they even had like the little verbal ticks and cues. I mean, it was. I mean, I guess it's kind of amazing that they could do it. Um, I'm just a little creeped out. I mean, if AI gets that smart, like where does it go? I mean, are we going to replace the person on the other end of the phone with an AI too? Right, where one AI just calls another and it just like my AI checks my calendar and then the other AI checks the hair salon's calendar and they just get together and make me an appointment and there's no need for a receptionist at the hair salon at all. I guess that's where maybe where we're going. I I don't know. It was just, it was just remarkable to me. I, I guess it was one of those moments where I was just kind of, I didn't know that they could do that. And it just all of a sudden, I think triggered in me the feeling that maybe we're moving a little fast with some of this. I, and I say that as a lover of technology. I say that as a lover of gadgets. I say that with somebody who has Google Assistant in his home and uses it regularly. Creep me out a little bit. I don't, I don't know if anybody else saw that, that video and what you thought of it. 701 Email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, tweet me at Rob Port. Um, somebody just emailed and asked, is this the Rob report?
4: I'm not sure what that means.
1: I don't even know what that means, emailer. Are they
4: poking fun at you, or are they just tri- checking email yeah, they addresses? I do not like what we're talking about? I, I, don't, I don't know.
1: All right. Well, I'm sorry. Here on The Rob Report, sometimes we like to talk about technology. And also, by the way, we can have a nice little segue here. Uh, Gag uh, Google, and I'm reading this. This is from Engadget. It's uh, sort of a technology blog. Uh, Google bans all ads linked to Ireland's abortion referendum. Now, Maybe we don't care so much over here what Ireland's got going on with their abortion referendum, but I, I think what, what you're looking at here, because Google banned all foreign ads surrounding uh, Ireland's referendum on abortion rights, uh, but uh, Google took things a step further uh, and banned all ads, period. And the reason why that may be important for us here in the United States is a lot of people are thinking it's a trial run for how Google and Facebook might handle things leading up to the US midterm elections. Um that they're just going to ban those ads. Now, it, I, this this is interesting to me on a lot of fronts because first of all, I don't like this idea that all of a sudden ads are necessarily bad or that, you know, because Russia bought some ads it swung the election. I think that's a I think that's a stupid thing. I think people who want to act on that assumption are going to do things to free speech in this country that that I don't I don't think are in keeping with our our notions about the first amendment. Um beyond that, though, I'm also worried because of if – if I mean, Facebook's one thing because I'm assuming those are Facebook's ads on Facebook's platform. But Google runs ad not just on its own platform, but they have an ad network for, like, newspaper, like, like media outlets. Lots of websites run ads through Google. So is Google now going to narrow the number of ads that those publications can run? There's a lot of implications here. I, I just – Do you feel like we're getting carried away with all these ads and the Russian ads and concern that that Russia swung the election, Eric? Because I feel like a lot of it's overboard.
4: I think it's overboard as well. No,
1: I don't think so. How do you I mean, I'm thinking about the assumption that you have to make about people to assume that because they saw an ad on the Internet, they voted a certain way or because they saw an Internet meme or a certain type of Internet messaging. I mean, we know that that stuff can work. Right. But I I tend to think that it works on people who are already predisposed to work a certain way. I mean, if 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 campaign advertising didn't work, politicians wouldn't spend millions and millions of dollars on it. It does work. But I think it works when you have a valid point, a valid
4: point and maybe somebody that doesn't follow the person particularly well, because I can honestly say I don't think I've ever been swayed by a political head, at least unless it got me subliminally. I I listen to – I'm not a huge, like, I follow every word a politician says, but I I investigate enough to find out about the key issues that I care about, and that's where I go from.
1: Yeah, I I, I think a lot of people are like that. I also – I mean, I I just don't – I don't know that ads are effective in the way that people think they are. I I don't think that people sit down and advertising – advertising in general like i don't think it makes people like i don't think people buy like decide to buy a car because they see a car on television i think people who are maybe already thinking about buying a car might choose to buy a certain car because the ad and they like the features that were in the ad or they like the way the car looks or whatever um I, you know in in the same vein i think political advertising you know if, if it's got an if it's based on an effective message could maybe change somebody's mind about a candidate but again The alternative's got to be appealing, and the messaging's got to be effective. Like, it's got to be based on something that people care about, you know? And, I mean, listen, money doesn't necessarily guarantee outcomes. I mean, Hillary Clinton outspent Donald Trump by a lot in the 2016 election, and she lost.
4: I'll give you an example. Remember the the fake Heidi ad that ran? I don't know that I see it anymore right now. I can't even remember anything about that ad that was said I just remember the person that they had hired to look like Heidi. That's the only thing I remember about that ad.
1: I never understood why everybody flipped out about that, like that they hired somebody to look like Heidi. And they just just kind of – they had her kind of in the shadows or from the back. So it was just kind of a – Kind of a lookalike. high well, camp and Camp uh, She kind of played it off funny. Like She's like, "Oh, I hope I have better cap <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, here's the, the thing: if you're
4: going to do an ad about Heidi Heitkamp, and this is supposed to be a political ad, it looks disingenuous when you're using somebody that you're clearly portraying to look like her, but it's not her. Put a stock photo up there then, or do something along those lines, because they use I that. In I mean, well.
1: how was how that disingenuous, though? I don't know that it's.
4: It's not Heidi Heitkamp. So you're portraying so? it to be her. It's not a cartoon. Okay, it's not a novel. Yeah. It's a, well. it's supposed to be a factual ad. It's supposed to be. Okay,
1: well, okay, but I mean, nobody <laughs> nobody, nobody, in the ad said, this is Heidi Heitkamp looking out the window. No, like but, that was,
4: but you know what the point was?
1: Well, the point the point was the messages over it. Like they wanted, you know, they didn't have, you know, unfortunately, like the height camp campaign, like they do with Democratic super PACs, don't make B roll available for conservative groups who wants to run those sorts of ads. So they hired a, a look alike and they got their own B roll. Yeah, it doesn't they, mean they that they the hired message a frumpy, of the ad. They hired was an ad. I mean,
4: a frumpy lady with orange hair. That's what. Well,
1: they got. well, <laughs> like I said, a look alike. <laughs> oh, nice. I'm so I'm, sorry. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it was that far off, you know, although maybe the senator's right. Maybe she does have nicer calves. I don't know. I've never looked at her calves. Uh, but she I, here's here's the thing, though. It was the message of the ad that was supposed to matter. And I understand what, what critics, you know, with the high cap campaigns doing. they want to focus on using the impersonator, I guess, because that is kind of an unusual tactic. They want to say, oh, it was a fake ad because they they didn't actually use Heidi, um, which allows them to just sort of circumvent the message of the ad, which were her votes. Although, to your point, Eric, I don't remember what the message of the yeah. ad was now either, I
4: think so. it was something about not representing North Dakota's interests, but that's just a guess.
1: Yeah, that's weird. That's what they all say. 701-293-9000, 888 970 Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Report, 970 WDAY, AM 93.1 FM. Congressman Kevin Kramer. Or wait, what am I saying? Congressman. We had Congressman Kevin Kramer on the program earlier. I meant to say Jay Thomas. What am I even doing? (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing. What I'm doing is I'm staring at Twitter (laughs) at the same time, and people are tweeting at me because they're upset. You know what's funny? Is there's uh, all of a sudden I got a bunch of tweets today. It's the usual stuff. Port doesn't belong in the papers, balance poured out. I'm the one conservative columnist that works for the forum communication company. There's like eight who are on the left. Uh, but yeah, I need to be balanced out. I, I'm sorry. I write every day, and I run a blog, and I have a talk show, and I I understand I got a I, I got a big pulpit, uh, but I feel like I've earned it, and I'm sorry that you don't like being exposed to viewpoints you don't like. Hey, if you but don't I think like it's funny. It, if you, not read it. I mean, well, I mean, people people is. are like, oh, some some guys on here, and he's like, oh, Ports Ports Kramer's puppet, literally being critical of Congressman Kramer today for the Harold Hamm thing. Um and, and listen, I, I agree with Congressman Kramer most of the time. I'm a conservative. I tend to be a Republican. Um, I'm just going to agree with him most of the time. I, that's just how it is, you know. I, I I anyway, anyway. Um, but anyway, I meant to say Jay Thomas shows coming up next. Stay tuned for that. I don't know what Jay's talking about today, but I'm sure it'll be good. Uh, I don't know what I'm talking about tomorrow because
4: rainbows that's just and how kittens. This
1: works. Rainbows and kittens. Probably there you go. Yeah, it'll all be it'll all be um, it'll be stuff just to make everybody happy, bring us all together.
4: <laughs> I just want to know what you're gonna have in your ginormous jug tomorrow.
1: Water. Uh-huh. Water is what I'm gonna have. You must have just uh, have
4: started this revelation because you did not have water. I don't think you had water even yesterday. Did well, you? I've had
1: the jug for a while. I usually don't have it on air. I usually. Um, in the mornings I'm I'm still pumping caffeine. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to I'm trying to break from some of that. And it may it may make me a little cranky down the line <laughs> as I try to even more than what you normally are. As I try to <laughs> I don't feel like I'm that cranky. I really don't. I think I think people have a problem. You know what I think the problem is I think some people just don't they don't like a viewpoint they 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 can't agree with. They don't agree with it. And you know what? Tough. You know you're you're going to have to be exposed to that sort of thing. Uh, from time to time, you're just going to have to be exposed to, uh, to a point of view you don't like. Um, you know, we, we, unfortunately, despite being a Republican state, uh, we don't really have that many conservative commentators in the state. I, I'm a new one. I realize that I do things a little bit differently. Um, and, and, in, and in particular, you know, a lot of the complaints about me ramped up because I've been so critical of Heidi Heitkamp. And that's, I mean, come on, that's coming from the campaign. They don't, they, they see me as a threat. Her approval numbers are plummeting. Uh, they think that I'm part of the, and I'm flattered that they think that I am, I am so important, that I am such a threat to their campaign. I mean, I, I, in a way, it's a compliment. I mean, I guess it speaks to the reach of this show, it speaks to the reach of my columns and the blog. They're upset about it, and they'd like to shut me up. And, well, tough. Not going to shut up. Here's the I'm going to. Here's what
4: I think is interesting, and there are people that are all ragey. They they do think you're kind of a homer for the Republican Party, and you're just in bed with that. But I argue, and I'm I'm middle of the road, and I'll say this is that you have Democrats on your show. You just had one yeah. on yesterday, and, and you will you, will you will discuss topics. It's not like you're some angry Republican that it's all got to be one way. You're actually one of the few talk shows that talk politically that does have conversations coming from both sides.
1: I try i really try. You know, I'd have Heidi Heitkamp on this show. And you know what? If she came on this show, she would find we would have a discussion. I'd ask her some tough questions. She probably wouldn't like some of the questions she got. um, And it'd be fine. And we'd have a good time, just like I had with Max Schneider, just like I've had with Earl Pomeroy, Josh Boucher, Secretary of State candidate, Dave Thompson, Attorney General candidate. We have Democrats on this program all the time. Jay Thomas Show straight ahead. This is The Rob Report, 970 WDYAM, 93.1 FM. We'll talk again.